Um, you know, this is an easy conversation, Trevor, because it's it's really key points along your story, you know, speaking of stories that speak to leadership and transformation. And um, following you on Instagram and knowing you through our mutual friend, Sean, clearly you have experienced leadership and transformation in your life. So um, I, I'm looking forward to that conversation. But, you know, I want to start this conversation differently, though. Um is there anything you want to talk about, um, you know, in the context of leadership and transformation versus me just, you know, hopping into this conversation too fast? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think my curiosity when it comes to talking to people, especially people that have, that have already interviewed, you know, several others is, you know, I like hearing about others' experiences, you know, like where have, where has your typical individual struggled with leadership? Where have they seen success with leadership? You know, what pitfalls have they had? What successes have they had? And, you know, are there any consistencies among individuals? Um, and, and does it have to do with like, you know, certain demographics, you know, are certain aged people having the same problems and successes versus others? Um, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I love learning about other people's lives. Like I love, um, you know, my autobiographies and, and whatnot. Like I, I've loved listening to Matthew McConaughey's autobiography, Will Smith. Like it, it's just really enjoyable for me to hear what other people have experienced and trying to implement that into my life or trying to, you know, think how would I have handled that situation would have been different. And so um, I, I like learning from other individuals so I can either A, avoid the mistakes they've had, um, you know, or, uh, or B, you know, pursue the same amounts of success that they've had. Yeah, Trevor, I think that is the selfish motivation behind this podcast is what a platform to hear other people's stories and gain insights and influence from regular people doing amazing things. Um, everybody's got a story, right? Speaking of stories, and, and they all have value. And I think we forget that. And, and I, don't, I don't try to go after the Will Smiths or the Gary Vaynerchuks, their story is being told on another platform, but there are millions of other people who have great stories as well. So man, um, that's, that's the value of this podcast show, share stories. So um, to answer your, your question further, um, the number one question I get as a development coach is young men, demographic 25 to 35, who are struggling with finding purpose and passion by far the number one thing plaguing that demographic from my, from my viewpoint, what I think is supporting that is the lack of positive male figures in their life. So I know you wrote about that. You talked about your two dads that, and your mom who created an amazing environment in which you flourished, right? I think a lot of young men suffer in not having that landscape in which to explore, learn, and grow with a, with, with a positive role model. So maybe we can just start the, the conversation there since that that's the number one issue I find and the demographic to answer your question. Um, I, I would love your perspectives on what you see with young men your age or in your demographic. Is that similar or are there other problems impacting? Yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's tough. Cause it's, it's, you know, it's a big time encompassing question because I, I am so very thankful that when I was being raised, there wasn't this um, like social media type of generation because I didn't really have the opportunity to compare myself to really anyone else outside of, you know, my hometown when I was growing up, because 
it wasn't a thing, you know, we didn't really have the world at our fingertips. And so all I knew growing up was that I was loved for, right? My parents loved the heck out of me. You know, I always had a roof over my head. I was always cared for. I had to close my back, food in my mouth, you know, the whole thing. Um, but at the same time, they were really good about being like, look, if you want to do something in this world, if you want to do something in this life, like it's kind of on you. So from a very young age, I was reinforced constantly. Like if you want something, you have to make it happen. You can't just sit around and, and hope that something falls into your lap. So I think once I kind of really embraced that mentality, um, and I mean, it probably, it really hit me going into college because I was like, all right, I'm making no money. You know, I'm going to school. Like, what do I do? You know? And so I just fall, I fell back on the skills that I was good at and implemented that into the jobs that I had. And it led me to a little bit of success. And so, you know, because of the mentality of whatever I want to accomplish, I have to pursue that and make it happen. Like I would think I was put in this really amazing spot where if things went good or bad, it was kind of on me. You know, I've never really had like a victim mentality um, and not saying that men suffer from that nowadays, but but I think that a lot of people, men, women, you know, who, whoever, right? Everyone suffers from this problem where we want to compare ourselves to just anyone in the world. You know what I mean? And it's like, I really think the comparison is going to be the thief of joy because it's hard for me to be happy with something when I see somebody else across the aisle that maybe has a little bit more than me, or it appears that they have a little bit more than me. You know what I mean? It's like, there's all this surface level BS in the world. And it's, it's really tough because I mean, lately I've, I've been going through a lot mentally and like, I've had to really like double down on protecting, you know, my inner child, if you will, like protecting my inner self to make sure that, that I'm still finding my purpose and my passion and my joy in life and relying on myself to be that engine for joy and not trying to reach out and grab it from other places. Um, I'm not sure if that answers the question, but what I see a lot of is a lot of just comparing. Everyone wants to compare themselves to X, Y, and Z and like, oh, well, I've accomplished this, but this person accomplished this. Like, who the hell cares? You know what I mean? Like, we're all playing our own game, you know? And, and the beautiful thing about happiness and joy is it's all relative to the person, you know? I mean, you could give 100 people a million dollars and maybe 50 of them will actually enjoy it and find a happy life. And the other 50 will probably find a lot of pain inside of that, you know? And so um happiness joy and success are all very finicky things and it's all kind of up to the individuals so that's what i see a lot of yeah um it, I'm, I'm so glad you said it that way because it it seems like people are waiting on purpose or passion right like like it's a destination you're gonna arrive to at some point versus i, I like how you said um almost it's a creation um uh, from 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 within. Um, you said something else that I think is helpful, Trevor, and that is um, you related it to a, an awareness of your skill set, that, that you used your skill set early. D do you think there's a problem with, with perhaps self-awareness and an accountability or, or an inventory of skill sets early enough and how to parlay those into opportunity versus, you know, most people don't find those until um, late twenties, early thirties, that they find some confidence in that. Uh, did yours arrive earlier? Yeah. Um, oh man, that's, that's a great question. Cause it, it's super hard. Cause like, you know what, you know, you know a little bit of what you don't know, but you don't know what you don't know. You know what I mean? And like, for me, it's like, I've always really enjoyed being around people. Right. And I've always had this ability to put myself in other people's shoes and so I, I just empathy, right? And and thankfully, the empathy side of things has always coincided really well with any job that I've had because it's always dealt in 
essentially customer service, right? Is, is the ability to make a customer feel good and the ability to deliver a product or a good service to an individual. Like I've always been good at that. I don't know what it was. I don't know why it was. Um, so, I mean, it's tough. Like, I mean, like I knew from a pretty young age, I was never going to be like a guy, an IT guy, you know, a technology guy. Cause I would sit in a classroom and be bored out of my damn mind. You know, like I've hated school forever. Like as long as I can remember, I've never enjoyed sitting and being like, trying to learn things. I've always been like, all right, put me in the situation or let me hang out with somebody who's actually living what I want to do. Right. And that's why I think, you know, when it comes to personal training and, and just fitness in general, which I've loved it so much is I've just enjoyed being, a, I enjoy being a student of the game in the beginning, like watching other successful trainers, watching other successful fitness individuals and just seeing how they carry themselves and how they make other people feel and how they build up other individuals. Um, and, and it's, it is, it was a culmination of a lot of different skill sets and it's, you know, the ability to talk to individuals, the ability to understand where they're coming from and meet them at a certain place. Cause look, it doesn't matter how fit you are, right? If you can't have a conversation with a person and if you can't, you know, deliver a great experience to them, you're not going to be successful in the fitness industry because you're going to suck. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, having a school teacher that hates kids, you know, and doesn't know how to, you know, deliver something to a five-year-old. Like they're not going to be a good school teacher. Like, duh, you know? Um, and so I, I've always known that I needed to be in a position where I can speak to individuals on a consistent basis um, and where I, I can be put in a position to deliver a good experience. I've always been good at that. Um, and so to me, you know, like when I decided to drop out of school and like move to New York, it's like, I mean, yeah, I was scared. But at the same time, I was like, all right, what am I good at? Talking to people. What has a lot of people? New York freaking city. You know what I mean? What else am I good at? Delivering a good experience. Where can I do that? New York freaking city. You know what I mean? If, if training wouldn't have worked out, I would have worked, you know, I would have worked at fucking Dunkin' Donuts. I don't know. I probably would have been a GM within a month, right? Because I like delivering a good customer experience. Um, and so in my mind, that's always been, it, it's never going to go away. It, it's never going to be a deal where that skill set won't be needed uh, because human interaction, I think is, is huge. No matter, no matter where we are. I'm not sure if that yeah, answers your question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It did. One of my favorite John Maxwell books is everyone communicates, but few connect. So I, I think that is a, a magical skill set, particularly when you're an influencer. And I would say, Trevor, on, on a on a global scale, you're a you're an influencer, right? And and I hope so. <laughs> yeah, clearly, I think your reputation precedes you in that regard. And and John Maxwell would also argue that leadership is influence. So. How has your influence evolved over over time? How have you? Uh, we know it began at that early age with an ability to uh, communicate and connect with people. How have you seen it evolve, and um, what what's been your strategy to hone it in, into its effectiveness today? Mm, that's a good one. You know, it's interesting. I feel like so. I moved to New York when I was I was twenty three, right? And I feel like every year that that I get older, and every year that I you know, add new successes or accomplishments, like my little checklist, my little, you know, um, check mark box type deal. It's like my objective on what I want to leave to the world changes. You know, like when I first moved to New York, I was like, I want to be like the super attractive, like underwear model guy, you know, and like, I want to be on like a billboard and like, you know, do all this stuff to make the people from my hometown jealous, you know, like stupid stuff like that, you know, but you know, there's no, there, there's no such fool as a young fool, you know what I mean? And so it's like, there's, there's no one quite the fool as a young fool. And so, you know, I, every year that I've gotten older, it's like, that's, 
silly, you know, <laughs> like I don't want to be a 26, 27 year old prancing around in my underwear, you know, like I did when I was 23, you know, it served a purpose and, you know, don't get me wrong. It got a lot more eyes on what I'm trying to accomplish. But as I get older and as I start, I feel like, you know, heck my frontal cortex still probably isn't fully developed. I mean, I imagine that'll happen. When I'm like 45 or 50, but it's better than when I was 23, you know? And so the fact that I feel like that is getting more and more developed and mature, you know, my goal now is to really just I, I mean, I just want to help as many people as I can and in whatever capacity that is, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be getting somebody to run a five minute mile or getting somebody to do the heaviest deadlift. It's like, dude, I would say that 90 to 95% of the successes that I have had in life and the, the opportunities that I've had in life have been from just health and wellness, right? Like general health and wellness, physical health and wellness, you know, performance, health and wellness, whatever you want to call it, it's come from that. And a lot of my confidence stems from that. And so the more people that I can get into a position where they feel that elation of some form of success, they get the brain response of like, okay, I didn't think I could accomplish something, but hell I did. Right. I can't say how many times that's transferred. Like my clients will come in, you know, they hit, you know, 50 pound deadlift PR in two months. Like, Hey, I got a promotion. Right. A month later, they're like, Hey, I'm engaged. You know, there's just different things that they tend to correlate. Right. And so the more people I can show that like, look, if you can push yourself a little bit, right? If you can get a little bit, if you can become comfortable being uncomfortable, you can accomplish a lot of damn things. Um, and my objective, you know, which is why I love that, that you invited me here. My objective is to always lead from the front. You know, like I don't ever want to preach discomfort and being uncomfortable while I'm living some posh ass life. You know, like I constantly want to embrace discomfort. I constantly want to, you know, step outside the box and challenge myself in different ways, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it may be. Um, and my hope is that through that people see it and they also want to just a little piece of it, you know, and if I can help them achieve something, so be it. That's incredible. You know, I, I hope that the mark I leave on individuals is a positive one um, at the least. Yeah, you wrote in in one of your blogs. You wrote about disrupting the comfort zone, and you know that's that that's my mantra: disruptcomfort.com. I mean, that's been my whole basis for the past decade. Um, what's been the biggest challenge you've had to overcome in, in disrupting an area of your life? It, 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 and and specifically, is it a fear or an attachment that you had? Perhaps uh, that seems to be most people's anchor, if you will. Yeah. I mean, if there had to be one thing in my life, it would it would probably be, you know, dropping out of college and moving to New York City with less than $5,000 to my name. You know, I, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I had a fantastic family to fall back on. If I needed to move back home, I could go live in a basement for a while, you know, but it was very much a situation where I just kind of burnt the ships and was like, I'm not coming back. Like, I, I got to just figure it out. And, you know, at, at that point in my life, at least like, don't get, dude, I've had a great life. Don't get me wrong. You know, I've had my struggles and whatnot. But again, I had a loving family growing up. I always had a roof in my head. I was always fed, you know, and that's better than probably 95, 99% of the world, whatever it may be. Um, and so up to the point of me being 23, I'd never truly been like, backed into a corner of like, look, if you don't figure this out, I don't know what's going to happen, you know? And so, I, and it's weird because it's like, you really find out who you are when you put yourself in those situations. And man, I, I loved it. I really did. Like I was in the corner. I was like, I mean, end of the day, the only person I can blame for any of this shit is me. You know, like this is my whole new oyster and I'm just going to freaking crack that sucker open. And so that was probably the most challenging, just general life experience I had because 
I mean, you know, looking back, I'm like, oh my God, like, why was I not more stressed out? There was a point in time, I think I had $1,800 in my bank account. And I was like, this is fine. I'll be okay. You know, <laughs> you know, if that happens today, I'd be like, I'd probably just cry for an hour. But, um, you know, looking back, I'm just so, so appreciative that I got to experience that because I mean, at this point now, you know, when it comes to just general life stuff, I feel like I, I can almost accomplish anything, you know? I mean, if you want to talk more about, you know, just mental struggles in general, there, there's always stuff that happens in my life that I, I'm just not really prepared for, sadly. Again, you don't know what you don't know, you know, and things will pop up that just, I, you know, I like to think of my mental psyche as like this, this little person sitting in, you know, kind of just a normal boat on, on, on a lake, right? And I like to be here. You know, and every now and then things are going to come up that, woo, you know, I'm all over the freaking place. And I never know what's going to trigger those because I don't think I have fully mastered my mind yet. It's something that I'm actively working on. But, you know, when it comes to the mental psyche, those things always really throw me for a loop. And they're almost more terrifying than when I moved to New York. Because, again, it's like the devil I knew was, hey, I'm broke, but I'm moving to a city with the most opportunity on the planet. And now I have the devil I don't know, which is just random shit that comes up that just kind of like throws me out of whack. And so it's just a constant battle and it's a battle I'm going to have until the day I die, I imagine. Yeah. And I want to talk about that, that battle, Trevor, because I think people fall prey to the voice in their head. You know, there's the good voice where they're feeling really good and confident and they're in flow. And then when they're out of it, they experience that other voice that makes them go, oh, well, maybe that wasn't the, the best choice. And that voice wins, unfortunately, more often than it should. And, and, you know, from a coaching perspective, my goal is to help people understand that that is a duality that you're not going to get rid of. You're not going to get rid of the negative voice. The positive voice isn't always going to be there, but you're the divine behind the voices watching the interplay and you get to choose what your truth is. Uh, it's almost like which wolf are you going to feed the white wolf or the black wolf uh, the red pill or the blue pill you know it's the same same conversation uh, metaphorically so how how do you um, appreciate the voices without creating judgment on yourself is, is that a fair question because they can be really powerful in what they say to you gonna be more um yeah, I mean, it's tough because these voices, that's that's everything, right? Like we're, I'm having inner dialogue right now as I'm speaking to you, right? It's it's a constant thing in our life. And some of us maybe aren't as in tune or aware aware of it as, as others. But I, I read this book, um, God, probably two or three years ago, Untethered Soul by Michael A. Singer. And I read it every every year, every year and a half. And it's, it literally, all it talks about the entire time is getting to know the voice inside your head and becoming you know, more one with yourself so that you fully understand yourself, you know? And, and that's why I talk about it. It's like, it's a struggle that I have daily and it's a struggle I'm going to have until the day I die. But the awareness of it to me is very beneficial. So I'll give you, I'll give you a prime example. Like, so I went through a pretty tough breakup in, in, uh, in January, right? Went through a tough breakup. And so, you know, I'm a pretty mentally strong person, I would say when it comes to, it comes to things, but again, like that, that rocking boat, you know, like things would come up or I'd have a memory of like, an experience we shared together and oh, that boat's rocking, you know? And so in the beginning, in the, you know, when it first started happening, what I would do is I would try to like stifle it down, you know, like press it down. Like, I don't want to think about this. I don't want to be a part of this stifle, 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 but it was doing more harm than good, you know? And so it's actually funny. I just finished rereading Untethered Soul for like the third time. And again, I took some gems from it. And, and I think the best way to approach like discomfort in, in the mental space, whether it be like a traumatic experience or just something that makes you sad, you know, 
take a step back and like sit in it for a little bit. Right. And so instead of like trying to stifle it down and treat it as some sort of terrible thing you never want to relive, just sit in it and like let the emotions like wash over. Like, what did you feel? Right. Like for me, like I felt love, you know, and I felt happiness and I felt passion and it was incredible in the moment. But when you look at it retroactively, you're like, fuck, this sucks because I thought I had this thing and, you know, whatever. But but now the way I try to approach it is to sit in it, appreciate it for what it is, which is an incredible life experience. Right. And just let it wash over me and then move the fuck on. You know what I mean? It's like, we're all going to deal with shit like that throughout our lives. And I think it's like, look, there's no love without loss, right? Like you're never going to experience true happiness without true sadness as, as the antithesis of that, because you don't get to appreciate it. Right. And so it's, it sucks. It fucking sucks. You know, I won't, I won't sugarcoat it or lie about it, but it's like, man, we all got shit. You know, we all got shit. We all got past. We all got traumas. We all got pain. And so I think just recognizing it for what it is, call it out for what it is and show yourself some kindness, you know, and that's the biggest takeaway I've had from like seeing a therapist and, and getting over a lot of this stuff is like, like, I, I like to think of it as my inner child. You know, I'm talking to my inner child. There's always a dialogue in this inner child because he's like the most self-conscious and the most feeble and meek and afraid version of myself. And it's like letting him know, Hey, like, it's all good, man. Like, we're going to be okay. You know, this shit sucks. We're going to get through it together. And so it's like just showing an abundance of love. Just like my mom gave me love growing up, man. It's like, yeah, like life sucked at some points, but like just knowing you have the unconditional love of somebody, it just like fills you with the warm fuzzies, you know? And, and so that's what I try to do is just be kind to myself and love myself and just like let myself know that it's okay to not be okay. Like that's the biggest thing, right? It's like, there's going to be ups and downs throughout life, but it's like, don't get too high on the ups. Don't get too low on the downs. Mm -hmm. Unconditional love. You know, I think that's the hardest thing that we have to give ourselves. You know, it's, it's hard enough to forgive somebody else. And, and, and you know, I know you're a spiritual guy. That's one of the, the, the hallmarks of, of being um, a spiritual guy is is forgiveness of other people, but very rarely do we give ourselves that grace. To to your point, and and maybe that's the source of a lot of trauma. Is it's an inside job first and foremost before you can truly give it uh, externally. Um, Trevor, you have um, an interesting tattoo on your arm. I've seen it fly into the 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 camera periodically. Is that a ship? on your arm yeah. and i'm i'm curious what the ship represents <laughs> you know what's ironic it's, it seems like you're sailing through storms or something i don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the irony of that is i'm terrified of open water so <laughs> my thought process behind the ship was let's say i become a prisoner of war one day right and they're like how are we going to torture this guy if i have a ship on my arm they're probably not going to throw me into the ocean because they assume i'm a sailor right um but no it's actually the tattoo thing is interesting man i you know i went into covid with no arm tattoos um i got one and I don't know if you have any, if you know a lot of people that have any, they're addicting. So I got one on my arm and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. So I did the whole arm and, um, you know, there's a little bit of meaning in some of them, but honestly, the boat, man, I just thought it was pretty cool. Like to be completely honest with you. Um, I like, I do like, like I said, my psyche is always like this. So it is kind of a nice little reminder for me to try to keep the ship uh, upright and not get too. Yeah, too swayed, yeah. right? um, but that, that would be the extent of the meaning there. There's not some like, uh, like deep spiritual meaning behind it. All right. I, I just knew we were sailing through dark waters. 
but mm-hmm. but you mentioned darkness somewhere else with the tattoo, and you mentioned Psalm twenty three four, which we yep. we know about the the valley of death um, commentary there. So how are the two connected, um, and what's the story there? Yeah, so that was my that's my favorite verse from growing up. Is though I walk through that the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for that with me. That rod, thy staff, they come for me in. I mean, look, I am a spiritual guy. I don't go to church every week like I probably should, but um, I, I do have faith in, in God and, and higher power. And so it's, again, when you, when you resonate things back to unconditional love, of like my mother, right? Like, I think my mother's love goes hand in hand with the love of like my Lord and Savior, right? It's like, life's going to kick you down a little bit, right? And you might feel really alone um, sometimes and loneliness sucks. Like, there's no way around that. Loneliness hurts and loneliness is the worst, but knowing that I at least have, you know, two people in this world that are going to love me unconditionally and they're always going to have my back. It's a nice little, uh, you know, it's a nice little warm blanket, <laughs> you know, um, to have when, when things kind of seem, seem down. And so, um, yeah, that's why I got that tattoo. The second favorite verse was like Galatians something, something, and that would have went down to like my leg. And so that would have been too long. <laughs> so <laughs> it, was, it was a little bit of an aesthetic thing as well. Hit that twofold. <laughs> Well, we'll wrap up the the tattoo conversation because I really appreciated. Um, um, uh, well, I was curious more than anything the story behind them. The other one I think is on on your back. Work hard, stay humble. Um, what, what's the connection there? So that's really just like my own personal like brand. My own personal tagline is like I you know, I'd like to think I have pretty good work ethic. Uh, I've always taken pride in what I do, uh, and I've always been like if, if, you know, if I'm the hardest worker in the room, I'm in the wrong room, right? Like I want to move to another room where I can always be pursuing something. Um, and so I'd like to think it's a reminder that no matter what I achieve or no matter what, you know, I'm able to accomplish, it's a beautiful thing and I should celebrate it, but never feel like I'm above anybody else and never feel like I'm better than anybody else just because of an accomplishment. You know, everybody has their own life. Everybody has their own struggles. And, you know, each accomplishment I think is definitely relative to the individual. Um, and so it's, just to try to keep me from getting on my high horse, if you will, and keep me a little bit grounded. Oh, I love that. Love that. Well, look, I know we're all coming out of, of a, a pandemic um, space with COVID. I think, well, I feel that this pandemic exposed another one, and that was a, um, a mental health crisis that was actually pre-existing. But I think the pandemic helped expose it because we were siloed for for a period of time, right? We were we were alone. We weren't with our tribes. We weren't communicating. We were fearful. Um, I, I know you take care of your physical body, and that's what your your personal brand is is really known for. How how has your exercise of your mind developed over time as 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 an equal focus to body? You know, it's exercise the mind as much as you do the body because I think that's the deficit that a lot of Americans in particular have is, you know, the, the, the mind is not paid attention to as much as the body and we've got to protect our minds and our thoughts, et cetera. So I'd love, love your perspectives on how you've developed your mental toughness and what its storyline is. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, just like most individuals, like growing up, my mental toughness was shit, you know, like it was very malleable. It was very much like, um, I was very much to the whim of what other people thought of me. And, and, um, you know, I put a lot of my faith and values into to how I was perceived, you know, just like, just like most people do in those kind of like formative years. Um, you know, I think when I started really 
accomplishing accomplishing a little bit of mental toughness was when I did move to New York. I mean, I've always been a fit person, you know, athlete, whatever. So you have to have a little bit of mental fortitude there um, just to, you know, push past points of pain, you know, to an extent um, when it comes to, like physical exhaustion and whatnot. But when I moved to New York, it got a lot better because again, like it, it's a lonely place. You know, when I first moved here for six months, all I did was work. And so I didn't really have any friends. You know, I had Sean, we'd see each other every now and then, but I didn't really have a whole lot of friends that I could just come home and talk to. I lived alone in Jersey city. Like I didn't know anybody in Jersey. I didn't really know anybody in New York. And so it was just me, you know? And so there were a lot of nights where it's just me talking to myself, like, okay, like, what am I doing here? Right. Am I doing the right thing? Is this, is this the reason I moved here? Am I accomplishing what I want to accomplish? Um, and so I think a big, the biggest step for me before I even rather an untethered soul was just this awareness, right. Becoming aware of how I'm feeling, why I feel the way I do about certain things and what makes me tick, you know, because once I was able to kind of establish what drives me and what kind of feeds my fire, I think I was able to shift the way that I approach a lot of things, you know? Um, and more recently, the mental toughness has really just come from accomplishing a lot of things, right? So I did this death race last June that was like 65 hours in the wilderness of Vermont, right? You didn't, I didn't sleep for 65 hours. I, I lived on four bags of beef jerky and four bags of bagels. I was being yelled at by instructors telling me I'm a little bitch, like stuff like that. And oddly enough, I loved it. <laughs> I mean, aside from hallucinating from lack of sleep, um, I was like, I'm very much like, look, if you tell me I can't do something, you can go fuck yourself. So I'm gonna do it. You know what I'm saying? And so I've always kind of been that way. I probably get it from my mother. She's also very stubborn. Uh, but you know, it, it's like one of those deals where I I've always been one to bet on myself, you know, like, I mean, I don't care if we got me, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, you want the last shot of the game? Yo, I want to take that bitch. I suck at basketball right now, right? But I still want to take the shot because I don't trust you fools. You know what I mean? Um, and so I, I think that, you know, building that bulletproof mind has always gone hand in hand with physical fitness. And it's really interesting because, dude, hey, I'll tell you, I thought I had a really strong ass mind when it came to physical stuff. But then you go through like a life traumatic experience. Like I'm thinking you know, like, let's say somebody, you know, a divorce, a breakup, um, you know, somebody stepping out of a relationship, someone dying in your family, like a pet dying, little things like that, man, that is what I was not prepared for at all, you know, and those kind of things messed me up. And I was not ready for it at all. And it was just because I hadn't dealt with it, you know, and so like, I went through like a mini phase where I was borderline depressed, you know, and I've never been that way. I'm always a positive guy. I'm always a pretty bubbly, like up tempo type of dude. And for five days, you know, there was a lot of me just looking in the mirror, asking myself, okay, what is going on? Why do you feel this way? Right? What's making you feel this way? And how can we get out of it? And I mean, let's say somebody is listening that is going through a lot mentally or whatever. I, I would just say like, surround yourself with people that actually love you, right? Like, I don't care if you have a hundred friends um, and they're all like, you know, they're friends when things are good, but they aren't when they're bad. It's like, I have like four or five people that I trust with my life in this world. And I did my best to be around them as much as possible. And it's funny, like when I first heard your voice was in, you were interviewing Sean and I was in Austin just because I needed to be around people that I truly love and that truly love me, you know? And I would say that he's one of the, the good people in my life that, you know, I know I can always go to if I have a struggle or if I have a problem. And so 
just surrounding myself with eagles, as I like to call them, right? Like people that are going to lift you up instead of anchors. Like, dude, I, I don't think I was around a single negative person for about nine days because I don't think I could have handled it. Like I'm very much the person who will not, I don't like to wallow, you know, um, if, if things are going bad for me and if I, you know, if I'm sad, I want to be around the most successful, the most upbeat, up-tempo individuals that I know in life. And I, thankfully, you know, I have a lot of those in my, in my circle. And so I was able to surround myself with individuals like that. And that helped kind of get me out of it. Uh, I think I got off track there. Anyway, t- for the, the mental state, what I love to do, um, I like, that's why I like running, to be honest. When I'm going on my long runs, it's me just thinking about life in general for an hour, hour and a half, right? What makes me tick? What's going on in my life? Why does this make me feel this way? What are my objectives? What are my goals? I mean, I can just have self-talk all day, um, and it kind of just goes by quickly. Um, the second thing was uh, talking to a therapist, right, and just talking to people that I love, right? They're going to bring up a lot of cool questions or a lot of interesting perspectives that maybe you aren't seeing yourself because you're too close to an issue, um, and those two things together have have really helped build like a nice little wall around around my mental headspace you know that kind of just protects me from those random barrages of negativity that that you know are going to happen to each and every one of us wow all right well that very long that was, answer all right no that was <laughs> absolutely brilliant and it, it reminds me of a conversation i, I recently had with um a mentee in the fitness industry and he was talking about living life as if the needle was on red. And, and I, I think it aligns well with what one of um, your go-to statements, chasing every opportunity. Tell me about the development of your personal brand, uh, what it means chasing every opportunity and what it is you're doing right now. Yeah, um, I mean, I would say that, I mean, from an early age, I've always been an opportunist. You know, it's like, when something comes my way that, you know, seems like it could be, you know, fruitful, right. It could bring a lot of things to fruition. It's kind of like, I'll say yes and figure it out as I go. You know what I mean? It's very much just like jump off the building and build the plane as I'm falling, you know? Um, and that's kind of how I've always thrived. And, and I enjoy it that way. I, I, I'm terrible at organizational skills. I'm terrible at structure. But it's like, yo, put me in a situation. I'm going to figure the shit out. You know, that's kind of how, how I go about it. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, whatever. Uh, but <laughs> that's how I like to live my life. Uh, and so, yeah, chasing every opportunity, it kind of just blossomed from, you know, I, I got a call saying I can move to New York, right? Sean called me. He was like, hey, we got an open room. Dude, I walked right back into my admissions office. I dropped out on the spot. I was like, hey, I'm not coming back. I'm done. Yeah, got this opportunity. And I l- literally had you know, two semesters of school left. Sure. I could have stuck it out, but can you imagine how much I would have kicked myself? I would have stuck it out and then missed a chance to get a job at X, Y, and Z, right? It's like this butterfly effect thing at that point, you know? And so if I would have stayed, I could have missed out on a lot of cool fitness opportunities, or maybe I could have achieved more, who knows, but I can't live in the past like that. You know? And so, um, for me, my brand started developing when I started doing photo shoots. Um, you know, I started doing a lot of underwear modeling and whatnot. And that gets a lot of attention, a lot of eyes. And my thought at at that time was I'm going to maximize it, get as many people, you know, on my stuff as possible. And then hopefully show my personality after that. Cause I'm very, like, I'm not like a super sexual, like model dude, you know, like I'm not serious. I'm kind of an idiot. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm very much an idiot, but I love people, you know? And so I don't really take life seriously. I don't take a lot of things seriously. Um, but it's like, why? You know what I mean? We're all going to fucking die. Like why be serious your entire life? That's not fun. And so, um, yeah, the chasing every opportunity is just like, 
I like to fly by the seat of my pants. And as opportunities come, I'm going to take them on as much as possible um, and just kind of bet on myself. And again, it's like, I always want to lead from the front. I always want to be the man in the arena. I'm never going to tell somebody to do something, something or have somebody to do something that I wouldn't do myself first um, because I'm very much an experienced guy. You know, like, it, like if you were like, hey, you should take, you know, X, Y, and Z because there's all these studies, blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to take it and I want to experience it myself. I don't want to read studies. I don't give a shit. I want to experience things myself so then I can therefore talk about it from a firsthand point of view to other individuals. That's kind of like my mantra. Um, and so far, I think it's worked. I mean, it'll probably bite me in the ass at some point, but whatever. We'll be fine. <laughs> and, and where are you wanting to take your, your personal brand from an influence standpoint? Yeah, um, I think that kind of ties back to, I just want to impact as many people in a positive light as, as I possibly can. You know, I, look, I, if you want to be fit, you want to lift some heavy weights, you want to run fast, you want to eat pizza, you want to look good naked, sweet, I can help you get there, right? But if you just need like some positivity in your day-to-day -day life from somebody who doesn't take life super seriously, that's where I feel like I'd rather fill the void, you know? Um, like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people just take things way too, way too serious. And, and maybe I'm in the wrong, you know, maybe I should be taking things more seriously, but I I'm very blessed and fortunate to live a fairly low stressed life. Um, and it keeps me a little more carefree, right? Because it's like, look, the objective is, you know, to die old as young as possible. You know what I mean? And I never want to lose. I never want to lose the childlike spirit um, that, that I think we all possess and, and that kind of shows our true, like silly fun selves. You know, I feel like a lot of us just put on a show for whatever, you know, we think we need to be all put together and like professional and stuff. Um, and I just, I don't see it that way. You know, that's, that's not fun to me. Um, and so, yeah, as far as where it's going to go, I don't know. I just want to impact as many lives as I can in a positive light as possible. Um, if that's in the health and wellness space, I really hope, I really hope it's in that space because that's what I know. And that's where I'm the most, that's where my passion really comes from, um, is from that because it's led to a lot of my accomplishments. And so I don't know, we'll figure it out.